review. This week, me and my co-host Floyd will be looking at three albums. One of them will be Atomic Roosters in the Hearing Of, released in 1971. The other one is going to be Admiral Angry's Buster, released in 2009. And the other one is going to be a new release by the band Ominous Ruin, called Amidst Voices That Echo In Stone, released in 2021. So take it away, Floyd. What do you think? Of Atomic Rooster. It's, uh, well, I think it's cool that we're going further and further and back mm. each week, which means by next year we'll be reviewing uh, Beethoven. <laughs> also, but, um, now, I, it's interesting for me because I do not have much experience with music that kind of predates or is on the verge of the 70s. Mm-hmm. I'm quite a fan of a few sort of 70s bands because like, I grew up with my dad being a fan of, um, of Hawkwind and, uh, Deep Purple and the likes, Led Zeppelin. But um, what I found super interesting about this was, keep in mind, I knew fuck all about this band going into this. Like you had mentioned them once before, I think, and we had a bit of a conversation, and I think I might have listened to one or two tracks. But um, I was totally shocked by how sort of organ heavy it was. Mm. And um, I just think that's super cool. I think it's, uh, it's, it's great to hear like a rhythm section kind of being bolstered by something that isn't just guitar lines because I think a lot of times especially with the sort of music we listen to bass is something that's kind of in the background a lot of the time like some I mean like try fucking I mean Metallica is a perfect example of that I know so much about Metallica (laughs) (laughs) but um but no so it was just great to hear something just a little bit different really to be honest so it was um and I dug a fair amount of the album I think uh the vocals which were performed by Peter Pete French I believe on all but one track which was um, Black, uh, Black Snake, Snake. In which case it's Vincent Crane, who you do hear mostly on the organ. And one that I thought was super cool as well, because um, I uh, listen to this through Spotify, because mm. I've become that guy that's <laughs> forsaking their physical media for streaming uh, services. I mean, the vinyls for this are like 200 quid each. Oh, fuck that, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's cool, because um, obviously, as a bonus track for the US, they've done the track Devil's Answer. Oh, I love Devil's Answer, that's a good one. And that was that cool. That Death Walks Behind You. Yeah. Yeah. But what I thought was super cool by that was, well, after doing a bit of research, found out that there was a US re-recorded version, which had Pete French on vocals, and then I went back to, um, there was a UK version, mm. which is a bit raw, that had John Can on vocals. Oh, the Can, the guitarist. Yeah, the yeah. guitarist. Yeah. And that had like a bit more of kind of like a raw, rockier feel to it, mm. which is weird because the rest of the, back, the US version of the rest of the album was a bit more sort of organ and sort of key heavy, so... It was good to hear like another side of the band with the re-recorded version. I don't know if you know, but when they started recording this album, they got um, Pete French on vocals because basically Vincent Crane felt like he wasn't a very good vocalist, which I totally disagree with because I love his voice. Yeah. Um, but he got Pete French in, and then Pete French in an interview because he used to be in a band called um, Growers of Mushroom. Well, no, he was in a band called Leafhound. He did yeah. a really legendary stoner album, essentially yeah. called Growers of Mushroom, which you 100% should check out if you like. 70s, prog, rock, all stoner, it's a really good album. Um, and it's like, it's one of those hidden gems that some people, like, it's like legendary on YouTube, basically. But yeah, so Pete French joined the band, and then when he joined, he saw that Decan, who was just Can at the time, and Vincent Crane were at each other's throats, yeah. and they were fighting all the time, and Vincent Crane mixed out a lot of Decan's guitars yeah. on that album. And so I, I read, yeah. Yeah, yeah they had like lots of problems. But then after, I think they reformed and I think Decan came back, but when, after Vincent Crane died, um, the reformed Atomic Rooster has Pete French, and I think Decan might have been involved with some of it. I think he, he did in some of the reformed, because there were a few reformations, basically. Yeah. 
It's interesting because, like, I don't like a quick Wikipedia uh, read through of the band's history, and there really is like a veritable who's who of like, oh my the, God, like the UK amazing. music scene, like Brian Jones. And it's funny because, like, I was listening to the album while like researching because that's how I like to do it. Mm. And um, and it's funny because when I listened to when I first heard the uh, organ and the keys, it actually reminded me a little bit of um, Arthur Brown. Yeah, and, like, right. Even like I don't know many Arthur Brown songs, but like the famous one, Fire, which I everyone knows. I love that song. Like, I got a hellfire. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. It's like so like it's even like kind of proto metal in a weird sort of way. He's so because he just set fire to himself. Yeah, that's pretty rad. He's like he was a real performer, and yeah, like the reason. Well, you're gonna say it. So I don't want to take it away from you. No, no, you say it because I don't. I don't even know what you're alluding to. So, oh, <laughs> so, so basically, Atomic Rooster, the original lineup, used to be the live band of the Crazy World of Arthur Brown, and they yeah. were on tour in America. And Vincent's um, mental health got so bad he had to come back to the UK, which is how like the three members of the band followed him. Yeah. So that's kind of how Atomic Rooster was born, and it, they came back in the year of the Rooster. So that's where they got the Rooster in their name from. Ah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But what, what, what's your kind of, because you're uh, far more uh, affiliated with this group, more so than myself, so what's your take on the album? I have a few, I've lots of takes. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I love Atomic Rooster. I've been a fan for over a decade now, and I'm, they're one of those bands which I really wish I could have seen live, but with Vincent Crane on vocals, because Pete French's vocals are great, they're like really proficient, but there's something about Vincent's voice um, and the way that he like, the, the, this band I feel is like kind of a little bit unusual for a band of their era because like a lot of their songs, which is kind of a running theme in the podcast at the moment, is like all about mental health. A lot of them. Yeah, I, I that's basically the main thing I kind of got from a lot of the lyrics. It was kind of like even the first track breakthrough. It just sounded like he was trying to escape like the mental prison of his own sort of psyche. Yeah, he's like there's an invisible prison inside of my head. Yeah. I'm the, he, he talks about him being his own jailer. Yeah. And there's I don't know if you listen to some of their earlier albums. There's a song I think it's called Bandstead. And the lyrics are just like, if I don't leave this place, I'll kill myself. <laughs> That's kind of the gist of the song. It's one of the most depressing songs I've ever heard. Um, and it's like, I feel like it, it's a really interesting precursor to a lot of modern metal, which is like, you know, depressive and confessional. And he was doing this stuff like 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, and he does it so, so well, but it's also like happy and catchy. But at the same time, He's also incredibly depressed, and he did kill himself. He killed himself on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Um, I think in like '89, I think. I think you're right, that because that seems to that year seems to it's ring a bell when I was looking up. They were about to go on a reform, like a reformed. It was the second time I think that he reformed the band. They were going to go on tour in Germany, and like months before they left, he he finally he couldn't battle it anymore, which is really sad because you know he was married. His wife did backing vocals on the last album that he recorded. Yeah. And it's just, it's really sad, but I also feel like he's left so much insane art behind. Cause he, he released two albums in 1970, an album in 71, I think a few more after that. Like, he was so prolific. And yeah, his voice is like rich and you can, he's not like the most good looking guy. I think that might be part of why they weren't necessarily as big as the other bands at the time. But there's yeah. like, if you go on YouTube and you type in Atomic Rooster Live, there's like a really good video, I think it's Black Snake or Breakthrough, where Vincent Crane is on stage, he's just casually eating a sandwich. <laughs> while he's That's like cool. doing these insane vocals, yeah. like like soul funk rock vocals to this like incredibly like awesome music. And he's like you know, hammering away on his organ, like eating a ham sandwich with like the lettuce on the side, and just being like, rah, rah, rah. it's really good. Yeah, but it's right, like, I think he kind of touched upon something that was interesting. Um, it's almost like this is kind of like an antithesis to uh, a lot of the music that was a lot more kind of like 
Well, the lyrics and stuff were very face value, and really about fucking women and you yeah. know fast cars, that sort of shit, which yeah. is which might mean a lot to certain people, but you know, but it was very like you know, it's a bit of a facade, really. I felt like for a lot of bands at that time, and I think that's something that kind of caught me off guard because it sounds similar to a lot of music that was around at the time. Yeah. But like when you kind of delve into it a bit, like you could tell there's kind of like not something sinister bubbling underneath, but there's something more it's real dead. and introspective, and you know. It's clear when you read the lyrics that okay, this is this is written from the perspective of someone who has been dealing with some shit. Yeah, I really I really like like the weird art they have as well. Like, yeah. Death walks behind you has like a black print on it, which is why I actually started listening to Atomic Rooster. And another reason why is um, Bill Steer has a side project called Gentleman's Pistols. So yeah. I just went on like a YouTube dive, like on, on the algorithm through like loads of, of 70s bands. And I, through that, I just, I love a lot of 70s music. The era between 69 and 72, I think is one of the most incredible eras of modern music. Because if you just type it, if you just do an experiment, go on YouTube, type in full album 1969 or whatever year between 69 and 72, 100% of the time you're going to like it. Yeah. That you're going to find some weird hidden gem that you've never heard of. And it's really interesting because like, you touched on it too, you were saying how like all a lot of members of this band have gone on to form massive bands. So the original drummer was um, the... From Emerson? Emerson Lake yeah. Palmer. Yeah. And um, I can't remember if it was Emerson or if it was Palmer. It was a, it was a Palmer, I think it was Palmer, it was Palmer actually. Emerson yeah. joined him, asked him to join in like 72 or 71. Yeah. And then the then Emerson, Lake and Palmer happened. And then Pete French, obviously he was a leaf hound. He also, I think he did an album with Cactus, who are another really good 70s band. They have some really, like, it's usually about women and fucking, but they have some really good music. It's like really upbeat American style stuff. And then they had, uh, what's his face from Pink Floyd, do drums on an album? Gilmore. Gilmore. Peter Gilmore was on an album. Oh, no way. Yeah, and, um, and Vincent Crane has done some projects with Peter Green. Yeah. As well, from is it Fleetwood Mac? Yeah. yeah. Ironically, I didn't really get that I, into them, but like, they're that, fucking big, right? Yeah, like fucking even Brian Jones was involved from the Stones at one point. It's, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, they they, they they actually had some. Um, they charted a few times as yeah. well, but they just after a while kind of faded away. They got dropped by their label, and I think that kind of contributed to Vincent Crane's mental health. But he did like he's done theatre productions. He did um, like radio plays with Peter Green. A really interesting life and like he didn't just do music he did so many different things with like sound design and he actually played in um there's like a, a relatively well-known english band from that time dexie's midnight runners no oh, well, he, yeah, did, yeah. he played piano in dexie's that's midnight fucking runners. bonkers yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean like i know what i mean obviously they've done fucking come on eileen which is like really <laughs> that song, right oh is that them yeah come on eileen yeah i know yeah. that song it, it was for he, the brush strokes um TV theme. I think he played piano on that. Ooh. And he played piano on some of their stuff. So it's really, he's a really legit musician from like their heyday of music. And it's honestly tragic that they aren't really well known anymore. Yeah. And they've reformed again in 2014 with the blessing of Vincent Crane's widow. I've not actually, they, they do perform, I have Pete French is on vocals on this one. But I just don't know if I could ever actually see them play. Yeah. I think I'd feel really weird seeing him without Vincent, because to me, he's kind of the centre of the band, and he's like, his mental, like the emotion in his voice when he sings is just incredible. And yeah, Black Snake is my favourite 
so that's a great track. Album. It's so catchy, yeah. Yeah, I think I wrote, I wrote down in my notes that I really loved kind of like the rhythm section and the bass and the organ work on that track. I thought it was good. I thought it was a really catchy track. The drumming like, is insane, right? Yeah, the drum is fucking sick. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. And I'll tell you what, Micah Ackerfell, I bet he fucking loves this band. He probably does, actually. Yeah. That's what, I've never thought about that, but I bet he does. But like, no, there's no, I would not be surprised if he was jamming this shit before recording, uh, recording, <laughs> so it's made up a new word. <laughs> recording. Practicing his recorder, recording. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, um, it was good. And I think, you, would you say this band is probably like an early progenitor for a lot of like that, the scene that came after it. Not necessarily the stoner scene, but. I think for Prog, they were really important. For yeah, them. yeah. And um, like a lot of the organ work is like very opethy. Yeah. Like, um, like at the beginning of I can't remember which song, but there's like some there's like an OPEF era where they use a lot of that similar organ tone. Yeah. Um, and like the drumming as well, like super proggy. I think lyrically, like in terms of the topics of the songs, really fucking metal. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, I, I think there's just there's a lot here. It's just so rich, and the energy is insane. I just don't. I don't really. I would love to know why. Because it's really, it's strange because usually when a member of a band dies, the band tends to gain more popularity. Yeah. But I don't think that happened with this band. Yeah. Maybe just lost in the shuffle. I think, you know, that yeah. period of musical history is, so much. has literally produced some of the biggest names in the history of music. So mm. I think, you know, and unfortunately, you know, there's no internet back then. So I think it just would have been... I think that's part of it, it's the internet. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's a shame really because you know, like what you said, I, I could guarantee you I could go back and list some shit from the 70s I have never ever heard of and just be completely blown away. Mm. And you forget how good music was back then, you know, people it was always say, level. Yeah, it was yeah. some crazy shit. And think that this is this is pre digital as well, so mm. like you know, everything recorded analog is like yeah. so much trouble, and sometimes yeah. it just disappears. Like you record a whole <laughs> album, and the whole album just like melts. That's happened even to modern bands. I, I would have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> if that happened to me, I'd be like, I'd be so upset. Yeah, <laughs> nah, fuck that. I suppose that's one of the good things about the digital age. It kind of just back everything up. I suppose. I don't but... think I could ever deal with recording analog. Like I love how it sounds, but I just couldn't put myself through the stress of wondering if it's all going to burn yeah and it's all it's really um flammable isn't it yeah like I, I feel like in a lot of archives like the british museum and the british library they've got to be really careful about how they store it there's like loads of things they've got to do to make sure it doesn't just fucking combust and you heard that the uh the creator of the tape died this week yeah which is quite uh, interesting tape, yeah should probably take the effort to remember their name <laughs> oh, <so sad>. <laughs> <laughs> mr a cassette <laughs> It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a French word. Yeah, cassette. That's got to be French, isn't it? Huh. Linguists out there, you can confirm. Cassette. It's mm. a funny fact I want to mention before I forget was um, you mentioned Dexys Midnight Runners. Do you know where the name's derived from? No, is it like a, a DMT thing? Kind of, you're on the right lines. Dexy is like, I think it's like oh, a street it's... name for like dexamethasone. Yeah, no, I have so, heard about this. Yeah. I think Cam was talking about this on the podcast. Mm. Oh, fuck, maybe. That's just classic me saying the same shit. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, now you say it, no, I, I get you. Yeah, but that's where the name was derived from. And uh, that's crazy that he um, played in Dexy's Midnight Runners because it's such a poppy group. Like, I just kind of associate them with that fucking song that every British pub plays when everybody's too pissed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually mental. He actually had a project called Katmandu with Peter Green, Jeff Whittaker and Ray Dorset. Um, so he, he has had so many other bands as well. 
just want to see if I've not, I probably have missed out some stuff. There's just too much. But there's a, there's a couple of cool things I thought, like the track of Spoonful of Bromide. I don't know if that was like a direct reference to Mary Poppins, you know, with the whole Spoonful of Sugar I think, thing. I think so, but it's a but. Bromide that they give to paedophiles as well. Oh shit, I read it was Isn't what they give to epileptic people, but... Oh. If you give someone too much, they use it in America, I chemical think. If you, yeah, it's chemical castration. Oh, no way. Who are talking about that? Well, well, I'm talking about that. <laughs> 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 about castrate, <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, I think lithium was like quite common back then too, so maybe they also gave people bromide as yeah, well. Yeah, that was nice. I think, you know, a lot of it, and like Death Walks Behind You, which isn't on this album, which is like probably to me like... The actual song Death Walks Behind You is one of the most iconic Atomic Rooster songs for me. Yeah. But then, like, this album is just straight up bangers, like, back to back. The whole album, you can just dance to it. My favourite track is probably Head in the Sky. And I, I think, because I am primarily a guitar driven music listener, mm. and I think it was, you know, and um, you were talking about how there was slightly maybe some petty action to try and cut out some of the guitars on the album but yeah. like that track I felt like because the guitars are a bit more prominent than that track and I felt like it was just good to hear all instruments come together mm. to form a track because it was a bit it's a bit strange for me to listen to something that isn't predominantly guitar based if that That's makes sense because it's just not what I tend to listen to like I, I'll, I'll dig classical every now and again you know mm. put that on to vibe with that but um Yes, it was weird to hear like a rock album with guitar that was quite either low in the mix or just not present at all. That's so funny because I've never actually thought about that. And I think I think maybe that's one of the reasons I like this album because it's like a really nice antidote because I listen to yeah. so much guitar music. Yeah. But I also, I do listen to like a lot of classical too because like that was kind of the first Western music I listened to was like classical music and ABBA and Credence. Um, but yeah, like... I think I think that's really interesting. I'm 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 going to think about that next time I listen to them. Yeah. I think the organ is one of the reasons I really like them because organ is one of my favorite. It's instruments. such a cool sounding instrument. Like it just it it's it's very like it just it, it is the sound of the seventies to me. Yeah. Trying to hear an organ, it just reminds me of you know that period. Well, doesn't remind me of that period of time. I'm <laughs> fucking alive. But I know what you but, mean. It's like this yeah. golden like. Yeah. It feels like it's an amazing. Everyone was poor as fuck, but it feels like an amazing time to be alive because you're yeah. just coming out of the summer of love. You've got like punk and metal starting to be born and like everything's kind of building up to like the insane cocaine fueled decade of the 80s and then like yeah. oh, that must have been such an amazing time to be a teenager yeah well my mum said it was great so <laughs> she loved the 70s so she seems like she's come through it really well because she's an awesome <laughs> like you can tell she's had some awesome times yep <laughs> 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 your mum's a total legend <laughs> Yeah. But uh, overall, I was um, it, this was a good refresh, and it was good to do to listen to something a bit different. And I think that's uh, the kind of the main thing I took away from the album. It kind of took me out of my comfort zone a little bit because I do you know, I do get fucking bored of listening to guitar sometimes. Mm. Not to say that there isn't guitar in this album, being you know, that heavily distorted guitar that's so present in most subgenres of metal, you know. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just like you know, I just really just don't want to listen to another really fucking low tuned riff. But um, so this was like a good sort of. A palate cleanser, so to speak. A palate cleanser. Like I would, yeah. I would listen to this album if I wanted to kind of clear my head a bit and listen to something um, maybe not quite as... It's funny, because even though it's not so much musically intense, there's still a lot of intensity in there, whether it be through the lyrics and through like the... Uh, even the composition of the tracks, like the drummer is uh, the beast, and, mm. you know, it's, 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 it's a very well-put-together album. It is a beautiful album. This album is like... 
I mean, it's not recently one of my favourite bands. This album is one of my favourite albums. So it's, again, it's a 10 out of 10. I'm going to be boring. But yeah. it's because I suggested it. So obviously I'm going to give it top points. <laughs> yeah, oh God, I wouldn't know. I, I need to sit with it a bit longer because um, that's, you know, I'm definitely going to go and just check out more music from that period because that's the I year so my parents grew up in. Oh, yeah. So many. Because, like, I, like, I listen, metal is probably the thing I listen to the most, but I also listen to 70s probably almost as much. Yeah. Especially when it's like summer, spring, because that's like the perfect era, like the perfect time of year to be listening to that kind of music. You can't, I can't listen to it in winter unless it's like there's one or two bands like Atomic Roosters one because they're depressing as hell. Yeah. So it's perfect winter music. <laughs> I can't listen to Bands Dead though because it is the most depressing. Like you just feel suicidal listening to it. Um, you want to say something, Shem? No. Okay. All right. No, no I, I I read on Wikipedia that he when when he came off tour he ended up in a mental hospital in Bands Dead. Yeah. Yeah. So that must be what that song is about. Like, this is really mournful piano. And then he's just like, I can't, I have to get out of this town. And it's just so, probably a lot of people find that really relatable. When I was a teenager, when I listened to this, and I was like, I relate to this so much, even though I'm in London. So yeah, Atomic Rooster. Speaking of um, low-tuned goodness, should we <laughs> add more yeah, yeah, angry a, and then drop G wizardry. <laughs> So yeah, Buster by Admiral Angry. This is one of the iconic albums of its time. It's it's another tragic album because um, the basically the, the mastermind behind Admiral Angry died of yeah. cystic fibrosis. So unfortunately, this is the only really thing that we have from them. Um, and it's just an incredible fucking album. And it's one of those bands where you'll find them and you'll be like, shit, they're not around anymore. But... Yeah. One of the reasons we're looking at this is because Black Sheep Wall came out of Admiral Angry and we're going to be talking to Black Sheep Wall. Exciting times. So um, hopefully the week after you see this, we're going to have some Black Sheep Wall action for you. But yeah, what did you think of Admiral Angry? Really fucking heavy. <laughs> I mean, so heavy. Like, so fucking heavy. Like that guitar sound is ridiculous. Yeah. Like fucking hell. Um, but do you know what? It's cool because like... Um, and I was picking up a little bit on this on some of the Black Sheep Wall albums, but not as much. But you can definitely hear um, some a lot of core influences in this album. Mm. Like it's for like about that early like proto metal core sounds that I kind of really love and dig so much. And um, I remember even I was watching them and listening to a couple of interviews from because um, I think it was Brandon was the only member of Black Sheep Wall that was in Admiral Angry. I think so. Yeah, yeah I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And. Um, he was saying like you know they're influenced by bands like um, uh, the Acacia Strain mm. and stuff. I don't know if you've ever listened to the Acacia Strain. I've not. Like a deathcore band, but like they um, they also have a really really super fucking down tuned guitar sound. Oh, check that. And they had three fucking guitarists, so it's like super Ooh, super fucking heavy and sludgy. Yeah, it's sick. I'm only really like super familiar with their first album. I actually, tell like the second album, it's the album they broke big with, okay. which is Three Seven Five O. It's called. Um, is that a postcode? Potentially, yeah. Maybe it's a zip code. Sounds like a California postcode. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they're from... Oh, God, I think they're from... Uh, fuck, I'm not even going to try and pretend to know where they're from. <laughs> <laughs> God, yeah. So they sound American. Yeah, they're definitely from the States. Okay. Like, <laughs> but that, and it's... Uh, Chicopee, Massachusetts. I was Massachusetts, right. I was thinking Massachusetts. There's a legit postcode. Oh, crazy. Uh, no, I, I mean, uh, that's, that's just where they're from. from so. Oh, okay. I, I, I don't like, know what... Uh, I knew it was one of the M states. But it was, um, but yeah, in this album, like you could kind of hear because it, it's 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 pretty fucking groovy as well. Oh, like the riffs, so much groove. Yeah. yeah, like the riffs are fucking like tasty as well. It's just like just two things. There's just a recipe 
for success for me, just like you're super heavy and low and super fucking catchy and groovy, then I'm sold. I mean, they, they tuned their guitars to drop G. I think it might be an actual kind of like semi-accident, but yeah. oh my God, like they strike one chord on these guitars and it's just like the, it's like the maximum groove. Yeah. And like the maximum amount of like dirty guitar tone. You know that yeah. meme where it's like a guy with his face screwed up and it's like <laughs> when that dirty riff comes in, yeah. the guy's just like, <laughs> like when the breakdown comes back but even slower yeah. it's like the whole song is like that yeah they're <laughs> just so fucking heavy and it's really funny because so daniel kraus is the guy um the main guy the admiral um and he he kind of made on purpose he designed the album cover and he made it himself which is kind of like pink and there's a rabbit and there's like loads of like cool stuff like kind of like very happy looking things yeah. happening on this album and he kind of did it on purpose and apparently they got a little bit of um like why what's going on kind of not quite backlash but a lot of people were like questioning the album but he did it on purpose um i think there's a quote he says uh, it's an aggressive i don't know if it's a quote quote it's a wikipedia quote so must be real it must, must be, be real. real he says an aggressive pain ridden fuck you to the world featuring cover art completely at odds with the music itself but soft psychedelic pastel tones and a silhouette of a rabbit in the center so it was very much intentional. What is it about pink album covers and people losing and weird metalheads losing their shit? Like Remember, Yeah, that was like <laughs> when Def Heaven done it and like everybody was just like, oh, a hipster black metal band. And I'm just like, oh, I mean, but I quite like Def Heaven. I, I like, you told me the reason they did some big was like they went, they spent all the advance money going to a hotel. Well, and they were like, that wasn't me. Does that not you? No. I swear you told me this. No, I mean, there's, I think. Uh, is that a different band? They went to, to like a hotel and they spent load, all the record advance, advance money staying in this like crazy expensive hotel and like watching how rich people live. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, that's kind of what Sunbather is about. Yeah. I thought you told me. I no, but I, don't, I thought, sorry, I thought you were talking about the album cover. No, 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 the, the, the concept of the album. So that's kind of why the album cover is so like, oh. So, yeah. yeah, it's meant so to be, because he like, because I think the point of view is like. Yeah, it's like, this is how the other people. Like, yeah, the other it. half or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah. watching this rich woman sunbathing and he's like, oh, my, my life is never going to be like yours. Yeah. And it was like a moment of realization. And like, I have this realization, like, if you if you live and work in London, you have this realization all the time. Because yeah, like, I don't think there's probably very few places where there's such a clear disparity of uh, wealth. Yeah, <laughs> and like we've both worked in Harrods. Like I thought, yeah. there have been a lot of times it's been like my face has just been like pushed to the floor and rubbed in it forcibly. Yeah. I've just right. been like, damn, I'm so poor. <laughs> for the record, <laughs> I did not have this beard when I worked in Harrods. <laughs> that, so I can guarantee you that. Mate, Harrods are seriously strict yeah. with their uniform codes. Apparently, the cover of Sunbather is meant to represent what it looks like when you lie in the sun and close your eyes. That's why it looks the oh, way wow. That's why it looks the way it does. I love that. That's, cool. that's really cool. That. Do you know what's funny about these? If you like watch the weekly reviews in like chronological order, you just see me looking more and more like a caveman. <laughs> I just can't even be fucked to even try and cut my hair myself. It's like, fuck it, I'll just wait. I mean, we're both a hairy bud, or a hairy bunch. Like, yeah. Trump's got like caveman hair. We're just cave people. I think, fuck it, embrace it. <laughs> oh. Cave favor. But I am a big fan of um, artists that like to um, kind of troll and fuck with the. Uh, the perceived kind of normalities in metal, whether it be doing really fucking cutesy album art. And, and like... It's cool, I, I like it, because I like people that fucking like to fuck with the metal scene, because I think a lot of the time the metal scene, the metal scene can be really fucking stupid. They can, and um, shall we contrast the album cover with the lyrics and 
song on Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> There's some real shit <laughs> in this album. Um, so the first song is called Sex with a Stranger, which is one of the catchiest metal songs. It's a, it's a, it grooves like a bitch. It is so fucking like a bitch, groovy. A metaphorical bitch, not that. Maybe in the, in the context of the song, top, top might not be the best word to use. Um, yeah, probably but, not. Uh, the lyrics legit make me incredibly uncomfortable. I don't know if you've read the lyrics to this, but I will read some. And all the lyrics are written in caps lock. Just, <laughs> <laughs> it's to really hammer at home. So the lyrics are, I'll fuck you, well this is some of the lyrics. I'll fuck you away, I'll fuck you away, if you want to go home. When I dump, I'll leave you dripping. In this for fun date rape, when I dump, I'll leave you dripping. This shit's gonna celebrate pleasure forward slash pain night. Are you ready to go? It's date night. <laughs> yeah. That's horrifying. Yeah. It's really fucking horrible. Um, and like, that's classic Admiral Angry. Um, there's bits of Black Sheep Wall that are kind of similar. I mean, I don't think it's aged necessarily greatly, um, considering the shit that's going on right now. But I think that it, this isn't... I think this isn't tongue-in-cheek, I don't think it's real at the same time. I think this is like someone assuming um, like the fucking Chad mentality and being like, this is fucking stupid. Isn't this silly, the way that we think? Like, the first line is, I walk like sex with a stranger, and for some weird reason, it, it's just so catchy. Yeah. Like, for the whole week, I've been walking around my house muttering that under my breath. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting point, though, because you say that, it, you know, it's done in a way that's, you know, kind of... I think almost deliberately abrasive yeah. and meant to make people feel uncomfortable. Whereas yeah. if you look at some, if you take the lyrics of, say, let's say, ex death metal bands that writes about, you know, butchering and murdering women and babies. They're and, so different. But right? it's done in a way that's so cartoony that it really makes light of the subject matter. Yeah. I think that's, and that is potentially worse. And I think that's why a lot of death metal bands, like, um, I think Devourment even were one of them who've turned around and have recognized how it could have a damaging impact on some certain people's psyche who might be vulnerable to being influenced by stuff yeah, that is clearly tongue in cheek. But at the same time, you know, it's still- There are still... a lot of people who don't understand that. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's, it's I think, you know, maybe um, all us uh, podcast folk with an audience of, of 10 can can come out and speak <laughs> up and, and help. I, I sound like I'm, I'm not serious, but I am somewhat serious. Like, I think it's important to actually talk about this um, and, and like make that differentiation a little bit clearer because I'm pretty sure these guys aren't actually like, yeah, let's go fuck loads of women. I mean, if you're a metalhead, you're in the wrong genre if like, that's your goal anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like they have song names like Kill Yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shan really, that's tickling Shan. I mean, it's not, it's, it's actually, I think he's talking about himself here because the lyrics are, I'd love to kill myself if I were not so afraid of death sabotaged attempt as I fell suicide today. And there's someone who's had a fair amount of mental health shit go down. That's pretty um, accurate, because like a lot of, a lot of like, I'm not speaking for everyone, but like something I've certainly felt when I've considered doing something is, I'm fucking scared of death, but I don't want to kill myself. But I do, but I don't, but I do, but I don't. That's like a really common um, kind of mental loop that you can find yourself in, in a deep depression. So I think that's like a really, it's really sad, but really well fucking made, um, like, yeah. I feel like that's something that you don't really find as well. I think a lot of people would be like, I'm really strong, I'm so hardcore, I'm gonna beat my chest with these groovy ass riffs and like, disgusting guitars in a good way. But yeah, I think it's really interesting that they've like, teamed it up with this, this kind of lyrical stuff. 
I think, yeah, that's everything you say. I think it's absolutely spot on. And I think it's reflected quite well in the vocals as well. Because I remember mm. reading an interview, um, they were saying that that was the aspect of the album that was most heavily criticised. Oh, so, really? oh, I love the vocals. No, they were saying that, oh, this sort of music needs like a low guttural voice. And you could like, you know, not like a screechy, like vulnerable voice. And I think that's, you could kind of link that with that kind of that pseudo macho bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I hate that squelchy guttural thing. Yeah. It sounds like someone's like, stepping on mud. Yeah, and it's like, I, I, I can't lie, I fucking love guttural vocals. I really I like do. Them in the right yeah. context, but I feel like it would actually ruin this album. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And like these vocals, like they remind me of like Kane, Kanate, how the fuck yeah. would that Well, they like um, Kane. Oh, no way. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they've said that they like, I don't know, uh, um, like if Dan did, but I, I feel like some of the guys in Black Sheep all have said that they like Kane. Yeah. Um, so that makes perfect sense. It does, it's, right? It's, it's equally as like unnerving. Like your hair being, like, because it's like a high shriek and it's actually really easy to hear a lot of what's being said. And it legit just sounds like someone like, beating the walls of their room yeah. and like having a mental breakdown and I actually really like that because in a way it makes it feel more true and I think it just the, the album has a confessional feel as opposed to a do this it's great feel you know or like oh isn't this epic feel it's absolutely yeah. not like that it's like I'm so ashamed of myself here you go like it's kind of like that there's like there's a song called Blowdown which is I'm pretty sure about a coke addiction because um the <laughs> the the, the lines that I took away from that song to tell you guys was dragging my veins, licking rocks off my carpet, seeing God in the whites of my eyes. Yeah, I think it might be spot on there. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that mad? That's, maybe it's meth, I don't know. Crack. But blow down. Crack rock. Yeah, I don't know much about drugs. As you blow is coke, isn't it? Well, I thought sure. blow is coke, yeah, yeah. but it's like crystally. Well, crack is coke. Is it's it? just the cheap, nasty coke. Oh, I'm, I'm and then they call it a rock, like you get it by, I don't know how you make it, but it's like easier to make than normal coke. Oh. So that, but it's called crack rock. But In other news, Shaq, Shaq, Shaq is a crack addict. Shaq is like Shrek, but white. No, there's a, there's a Frank Ocean song. Where he's like, crack, 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 crack. No way. <laughs> no, yeah, it's great. It's wicked, man. It's so good. No, it's awesome. It's great. Is it? Yeah, no, it's good. It's really sad. It's Were like... you on coke at the time? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah, that wasn't the lyrics at all. That's cool. I have to check that out. That, that sounds like sex bomb. Crooked cup, crooked sex cup. bomb, crack rocks. Oh, God. That's no, like a song. No, it's a great song. Is it? Mm. Okay. God, can I just say how problematic is Tom Jones? Like, Very difficult <laughs> to beating up women. Like he's like he's done some like shit. I remember because um, um, so obviously he's a judge on The Voice, right? That is he? Show, yeah. Is he still alive? Yeah, he's still going. Yeah. He's so old now. I think he's about eighty. It just turned eighty, or maybe eighty-one. Damn, he must have some good health. But my aunt was just like him. Oh, um, I love him. Oh, I love Tom Jones. He seems like such a nice, wholesome guy. And then she's on the phone to my mum, her sister, and my mum's just like, "No, he's not. <laughs> like, he's a fucking like. Just listen to some of the lyrics in this track. Tracks." I thought like there was a sex scandal with him. Probably. Didn't he also um, get throat cancer? I... And he was like, oh, don't go down on women because you'll get throat cancer. No, that's... Is that, that different was... Michael Douglas. <laughs> so, that, oh, I have Nick Huckle on my head for that. Yeah. But I think Michael Douglas, I think Michael you're Douglas. right. Yeah, he said that's what... He said cunnilingus is what... Yeah. Been, uh... 
Wasn't he the calm down dear at the event? No, that's Brian right. Wheeler. You have no idea who anyone is. <laughs> 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 I just completed Tom Jones with Michael Douglas and Brian Wheeler. That's amazing. They're all, they all look vaguely similar. Uh, Michael Douglas is the guy who's married to Catherine Seeta-Jones. Oh, she's amazingly beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know who that. I still don't know who that man is, though. Fair enough. He's got two first names. It's even harder for me to remember. <laughs> oh. I'm just absolutely. I, I honestly forget my own name at the best of times, so I'm really sorry. All these people. Good thing you've got it written down 151 <laughs> times in that Pokemon guide. <laughs> Tom Jones. <laughs> just in case you forget. For anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, uh, I was going through my stuff because we're moving house, and um, I found my old. Like some, a sticker book, a Pokemon sticker book when I was about eight years old. Yeah. And like on each entry, you're supposed to name your Pokemon, and I've just written my name a hundred times. Like spidery child writing, it's like Pokemon number one, Bulbasaur, name Nina. Pokemon number two, Nina. This is every oh, single I, page. I just love the sheer stubbornness of it. I like my name. I'm sticking with it for all 151. <laughs> Oh shit. Oh man. <laughs> like, I, I didn't realise, but basically when I was a kid, I refused to brush my teeth, like, a lot. And, like, my mum bought me a sticker book, and every time I brushed my teeth, she'd let me put a sticker in. So, like, occasionally it's like, Nina brushed her teeth today. Oh, <laughs> <even> that's <laughs> It's so, so strange. Um, yeah, so, Admiral Angry. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I want to say uh, about Sam, which I thought was very cool, was um, how minimalist it is in sections. Yeah. There's some parts that are just primarily just like drum sections and quite percussive and I thought it was just super cool. Mm -hmm. Some parts, I think it was even the first track, it actually reminded me a bit of a Digital Bath by um, Deftones. I've not listened to much Deftones. Yeah, that's got like a very, like quite a really you know, groovy, sort of almost eerie, sinister drum beat, I think. That's cool. And I think that's cool because like going back to the point where you were saying how this is quite a, um, like obviously the subject matter is quite like intense. And I think that they've done a good job of kind of letting that show through, not being too flashy in parts of the song. Mm. There's parts where it's just a drum beat and it's still sick and it's still groovy as fuck, but it's, uh, you know, like some other bands, you might have like a shit ton of fills in the quiet section or, you know, and I, from what I can tell, there's not even much bass going on when the drums, when these drum sections are happening. I just think it's just super, it's just a real kind of vibe and mood and kind of adds to the intensity of the album. Yeah, it's like, it's so, in, like, Atomic Rooster is like the 70s version of this album in some ways. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I, I kind of, that's one of the reasons I, I suggested it. Yeah, because they are actually, like, I feel like this is, Atomic Rooster is a predecessor. And, and like, I'm, I don't, I doubt highly that Dan ever um, encountered Atomic Rooster, but I think that they were kind of, like, kind of a product of, of the music of the time. Eventually, you're going to get someone who's in a similar, you know, you, a lot of artists are depressed as fuck. I mean, it, it kind of comes with the territory a lot of the time. And like, you're going to get the guy who's in that specific state, who's going to make that specific art in the context of your time. And I feel like this is that mm. album in, in, of 2009. And like, who knows what it's going to be for 2019. Maybe it's Black Sheep Wall. I mean, mm. probably, right? So that's really interesting that you can see the threads of that kind of historically yeah. kind of music. Yeah. I don't know why my voice is so high. <laughs> <laughs> Might be really high to yeah. me, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is just a fucking sick album. I, I love the, the dark sense of humour. And like, the last track, The Illusion of Strength, which is followed, which comes after Bug Vomit. I mean, 
that's just great. Like, and they so all good. have. Like, I think so this is something that Black Sheep will kind of continue, right? Is this like the weird naming of their songs, like Metallica, and you know all this. I, I just really like how you've got to read the lyrics, and there'll there'll be like a line of like, oh, that makes total sense, you know. Which I think is, is a great, a great it's, way of doing it's it. It's a good juxtaposition, isn't it? Because I think even that in itself is quite unnerving when you've got something that's got like a comedic front and then yeah. when you delve deep, you like, oh no, these guys aren't joking at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really common. Yeah. I think like a lot of, um, not a lot, I don't want to speak for anyone, but I feel like um, it can be a thing where someone tries to like kind of deflect their state of like extreme despair of humour. I think like, I think some some people can relate to that. I can relate to it. It's definitely something I do when I'm really depressed. Is like I just make horrible jokes <laughs> about killing myself, um, which I don't know if that's, like, that's the best way to deal with it. But I think that's a way of dealing with it. It's definitely a defense mechanism. It's a very Scottish thing as well. Like yeah. some of my family members who have the darkest humor to the point where, like the day of our man's funeral, um, the amount of jokes being cracked on that day was ridiculous. Holy shit! And it was funny because we were super sad, but it was just like, oh, this is making us feel a bit better. And like you know it's um and yeah it's definitely 100% like humor and and it's funny it's interesting because I've just thought this just now but like have you ever laughed so much you start crying yeah and it's just weird how like you can laugh to a point where you start sobbing and which is what you would do if you were you know really fucking you know fucking in a, in a bad mental place I mean you could cry for a multitude of reasons but it's strange how something you would perceive to be polar opposites on the emotional spectrum mm. are actually quite more closely connected than I think you could I don't know some people would initially think I don't know if you've ever um, experienced like when you you cry so much you laugh because like I've My had that has. I've had that yeah. as well and it's like kind of really unsettling yeah. <laughs> but like there's there's actually like a blake um aphorism from the marriage of heaven and hell where he he literally writes the lines excess joy weeps i think excess sadness laughs something like that but yeah. excess joy weeps is like so on point you know yeah. i think this is like an ancient i don't know what it is about humor and, and tears but there's definitely a, a yeah. link and like I've, I've been in a really dark place and just laughed my ass off I mean, there was a time with my therapist where, like, she'd check it, she'd be like, so what's going on this week? And I'd tell her, we just both laugh, because it was so bad, and she'd be in fits of laughter, which is, like, actually, it was really therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just, just goes to show, isn't it? It's, um, <laughs> I've definitely been uh, fortunate enough not to be on the uh, cried so much I've laughed side, but definitely laughed so much I've cried. It's a, but that always comes with uh, the nervous laughter, like, mm. where I know I'm not supposed to be. And that's when it becomes hysterical because I reckon it's an anxiety thing for me a lot of the time. Laughter is often a nervous response. Yeah. Yeah. It's often like a conflict resolution thing as well to just kind of show that you're not a threat. Or like if you're anxious about something, it, I think it can be used as like a de-escalation thing. Not used, but I think your body's just like, oh, this will make it okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. But no. <laughs> so I'm just thinking of all the times <laughs> I've really wanted to laugh. Funerals where you've laughed. Yeah, funerals, weddings. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. What's up? Can I please just say something? Because I love this band so much. Yeah. As a guitar nerd and from a guitar oh, nerd. Oh, you can talk about the bases. Yeah, the guitars. I found the listing on Reverb where the guy made Holy the guitars. Shit, that's so long. He made the guitars from the album. He spoke to guys in the band. Oh my god, it's only 300 quid. It's sold, it's gone. Oh. It's like, but basically it's a 34 inch neck guitar. Oh my shit. And it's tuned to double drop A. <laughs> so I don't know a band that tunes lower than that. But surely like, the neck is going to go wonky all the time. No, because it's a bass neck. 
But even so Dan made them oh. out of bass guitars because bass guitars are. are is it? It's like solid. Is that like? Is that the bolt on? Yeah, thing? bass guitars are like. I'll put the picture up in the footage. So. Yeah, it's really fucking cool. It's so big. but no, it's that, literally made out of bass guitars. That's sick. Beautiful. It looks. It looks kind of warwicky. Yeah. So Dan apparently made all the guitars for the band. I don't know how true that is, but like I don't know. He made all of them. I made them a collected effort. But then this is one knob. The the the, 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 <laughs> the artistic vision they had was so pure that they literally had to create instruments that were instruments. capable of producing the noises. That's beautiful. That they wanted to make. I want a uh, fretless Admiral Angry guitar bass. <laughs> that would be piece. sick. I would really like to make microtonal Admiral Angry music. The bottom string is actually a bass string. The bomb string. The bo yeah, the bomb string. They call it the bomb string. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a bass string, and then the next. Six strings are just the bottom six strings from a seven-string guitar. Incredible. <laughs> um, I really like reading about bands that use like specific gear. The fact that like they're so they're so um, attuned to the vision they want to create that they will go out and like specifically get the exact gear they need for it. Like I have so much respect for someone doing that. Not that that you have to, but I think that you know it kind of shows that you really know what you want and you you go and get it. That reminds me of. Um... Did you just burp? No, it was just in my in my chest. <laughs> I just had like a, it was just a bubble of wind. Just was like I need to be free. It sounded like, <laughs> it sounded like fabric ripping what? open. Sounds like an more angry riff. I'm trying to like the spirit of these guitars. <laughs> Sherm is on sale on eBay for three hundred and thirty nine pounds. I burped like six with a stranger. <laughs> oh my god! It reminds me. Have you ever seen that guy, Michael? Oh. Michael Winner? Winslow. 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 Like, there's he's so the, many people called Michael. I think his name's Michael Winslow. He's the guy who does the, uh, the oh. sound effects in Beverly Hill Cops and stuff. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I love that guy. And he's in... Um, Police he's Academy. In, he's Police also Academy. In, yeah. Sorry, no, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Not Beverly Hill Cops. Police Academy. Oh, I don't know. I'm not a different guy. But he... I've watched a clip of him not too long ago where he was doing a fucking like beatbox version of Purple Haze. Yeah, I saw that. Like, so good. I was like... Fuck! He's got guitar pedals! Yeah! yeah. <laughs> it sounds so fucking sick. That's when Shem gets that sort of reminded me. I literally watched all the Police Academies when I was like 18 and at uni because I just loved that guy so much. Oh, he's so cool, man. He's so good. <laughs> he's so funny. I'm pretty sure he... I swear he's in Spaceballs. He, there's that scene where he's like doing the radar. Oh, I have he's not like, seen Spaceballs for over 20 years. It's, it's uh, very Yeah, silly. I think he is. I think he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm not, I'm not full of shit. That's good. <laughs> That's good. So yeah, I'm more angry. I mean, this is another 10. I'm sorry. 10. <laughs> 10. <laughs> Easy. Yeah, it's a great album. I really, I really digged it. Um, I'd give this a high rating. What exactly? I'm such a cop out. What exactly? I don't know. I don't, I'm just so... I'm just so yeah, I, I don't know. I'm so... When it comes to rating, I, just, I overthink it all the time. We can just stop it. rating stuff if you like. Yeah, I mean, well, you could rate, you could just give everything 10s and I'll just be like, I don't know. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. Everything is a 10. This is a communist rating <laughs> yeah. podcast. Everyone's a 10 here. But no, I, I'd, I'd say about an 8 for me if I had to rate it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, it's just my first time listening to it all the way through. So It's a grower. Yeah. I can assure you. I remember when I found this band. And I, I remember like being like, Shem, I found this incredible band. And then he was like, yeah, the dude's dead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's like me. If you ever listen to that grindcore band, uh, Nasum, N A S U M. I've heard of them. They're one of those like cool to listen to bands, but I've never actually yeah, listened to them. Yeah, super, super fucking talented, really groovy, crusty like grindcore bands, like proper socio-political and like just really like I, I loved them. And then um, like a year after getting into them, the fucking singer guitarist uh, died in the um, 
The tsunami, yeah, oh, the big shit. one. Oh shit! Yeah. No way. Thailand, I think it was. Oh, that was terrifying. The videos yeah. of that was oh, so scary. It's my worst nightmare. I hate like. I had loads of um, nightmares about tsunamis oh, God. and tornadoes. Yeah. Ooh, no, thank you. Yeah, it's just like fuck. How comes every time you discover something great, you find out that it's yeah. you know, some shit's happened? But it kind of makes me want to make sure I'm never that good. <laughs> just in case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just get struck down because like you can't can't deal with that shit, man. Yes, it's interesting. I, I, like, there's a lot of stuff out there. My mind is now blank, but I feel like Rooster and Animal Angry are like good examples of of yeah. that. They both have so much in common. Like even like you, you just got to look at the Twenty Seven Club to see the amount of people that oh have wasted potential. You know, I mean, like Nirvana, yeah, Jimi Hendrix, yeah, Janis Joplin. It's honestly a little bit unnerving. Did Janis Joplin die at Twenty Seven? She died Twenty Seven. She's part of the Twenty Seven Club. Yeah. Holy shit! She did um, so much. Obviously, Amy Winehouse is one of the more uh, recent ones. Mm. But yeah, it's crazy because you think of these people and they've got almost like a mythical yeah. presence in the music scene. And I think also I'm, I'm a fair amount older than 27 now. So I'm just thinking, fuck, that's weird to think that they are that much younger than... That freaks me out because I remember when I was like 22, I'd be like, I've got to do this, this, I've got to write a book, I've got to do this, I've got to do that by the time I'm 27 in case yeah. I die. You were so scared. You I was really anxious yeah. for like a whole year yeah. when I was 27. It was yeah. in the back of my mind when I was, I was just thinking to myself, fuck, I really, uh, I just want to get past this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's legit like a really scary year. And yeah. like there is a lot of social pressure to have like a certain amount of stuff done by the time you're like 13. Yeah. See, I think the thing for us is, I think we're a very, we're a generation that's kind of squeezed between the gaps. Yeah. And what I mean by that is we're very much a product of, um, I think, the last vestiges of the nuclear family and that being something that should be still upheld by people our age. Yeah, definitely. Whereas, but we are also part of the digital age as well, which yeah. is completely alien to a lot. Of, I don't want to use the phrase boomers, but you know, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what the generation is. alien boomers. Yeah. It's not like a race. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, probably the next Ominous Ruin album. Hell but, yeah. But no, it's, um, so I feel like we're kind of like being squeezed between the sides a little bit when it comes to our expectations. And I think we've kind of got a really weird, fucked up um, generational position in the current world and climate. I think social media exacerbates that because we see all our peers who are like, I've got the baby, I've got the house, I've got all this X, Y, Z. And I'm sitting here like, I've got a metal band and yeah. like, <laughs> don't have a Gucci handbag yeah. or like a house with three bedrooms. Like, I don't have that shit. But I think social media kind of, for a lot of people who, who just grow up and they don't, they don't know what they want to do, they don't have a plan, which is fine. You don't have to have a plan. If anything, it's kind of freeing not to. But then, like, what do you do? Oh, so and so is doing this, this, and this. So maybe I'll, t I'll give it a go. And then, yeah. like, five years later, you've got like three kids and a divorce and a house and whatever. I don't know. But I feel like that's kind of what you're talking about. Is like yeah. this, we occupy this really odd kind yeah. of bit. Yeah, we kind of yeah. fall to either one side. I feel like yeah. either we go into that nuclear family mindset or mm. we uh, just kind of become these existential beings of dread. Yeah, that's nihilist kind of uh, <laughs> yeah. abomination, self-annihilation. Yeah. <laughs> there I am, it's not even a death metal lyric. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I don't know, I, I don't think I'm ever going to have a kid. I think, um... I don't know, I, I'd, I'd like kids eventually, but it's, uh, I don't know, everybody always, everybody there. Everyone oh. changes their mind, right? Yeah, it's, well, it's that thing, look, is you're never going to know until you've had the kid. And exactly. everybody always says that, you're never prepared for it until it actually happens. You know what, I think if I was a guy, I'd want a kid. 
Yeah. I think if I had a penis, I'd be so down with having a child. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, no one's going to argue that men have got the easy part of the deal. You there. really have the best I mean... bit of the deal, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I definitely, like, yeah, if I could just click my fingers, I think I'd know what I'd want to be. I do want to try that machine, though. Have you seen the machine that's oh, meant to replicate? Oh, you have a period. The period oh, I thought pain. it was meant to replicate... Um, it was period pains? I thought oh, it was meant to replicate um, contractions. No, it's period pains. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's oh, actually, I want to try it's, that. It's just period pains. And, like, of no. all, all the men are just like, oh, I can't do it. And it's just, fuck it. It's not even a childbirth. Me and Floyd are like, I can do it. I remember the last time you said that. <laughs> I will say one thing, which I have had... Uh, you could maybe add to this, but I had really, 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 really bad... <laughs> gastroenteritis once and like and a lot of and like and I wasn't going around saying like oh it's as bad as period pains but a lot of women did say to me it's similar-ish right yeah it's quite a similar pain out of all the pains gastroenteritis is something that's quite a similar level of pain to so it but everyone's that. different so imagine that you've got that in your belly it's yeah. radiating up your back because basically your womb's so swollen it's pushing your your um, kidneys into your spinal column Oof. and then all your bits are just Throbbing and aching, yeah. and then you've got like shooting pains, like shooting up your bits as well, yeah. into like the very core of your being, as if you're being violated by some yeah. kind of like needle alien creature, whilst you've got your gastroenteritis, and that's kind of a period of pain right there. And that happens for like a, a day. You should definitely day. start a death metal band. Everything you just said, <laughs> just 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 transcribe that to lyrics. I'm gonna throw in your more than welcome to use it. <laughs> <laughs> we just need to have like some riffs playing in the background, yeah. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd, I'd enjoy writing death metal lyrics. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, I'll probably just end up doing a carcass and getting a medical textbook. Just get the Yeah, just writing the most ridiculously technical fucking I love, medical words ever. I fucking love carcass lyrics. When I was a teenager, I, I used to write like very death metal lyric poetry. Yeah. Like very like teenager -y, like, my life sucks, death metal style in space. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. I, I guess, is it? No, 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 that's good. No, 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 no. <laughs> You're being so polite, right? Bless you. Bless you. I think this is a good way of going moving yeah, on. Speaking of death metal. Speaking of death metal, and this is we talk about death metal lyrics. Um, Ominous Ruin are fucking such lovely guys. Thank you so much. If you are actually watching this, thank you so much. You are so kind. I basically um. They dropped their album like um, very recently. Yeah. So I was trying to look for lyrics because that's one of the first things I do is when I'm when I want to understand an album, I look at the lyrics, which is you know everyone's different. Um, and I couldn't find any, so I just messaged them on Facebook, and then 10 minutes later they're like, oh, we've only got them on our liner notes and on the vinyl if you buy them, but, you know, I can ask if our singer's got a Google Doc, and I was like, yeah, I mean, I didn't even know I was going to review it, I was just curious, yeah. and um, like, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't afford to spend any money, because I'm a poor musician, <laughs> and I need to fund my own release, but, um, yeah, they sent me a Google document from the singer of all the lyrics on the album. And they just did that in like 10 minutes. Yeah. So Ominous Ruin, 10 out of fucking 10 customer service. You guys rock. Yeah. Yeah. And the lyrics are actually pretty fucking sick. I love yeah. this whole cosmic yeah, death metal so vibe going on at the moment. Like it's been a thing in death metal for a while. I think since like the early to mid 2000s. But it's um, like I was saying um, on the Twitter page, uh, this album kind of reminds me why I love uh, technical death metal. It's such good tech death man. It's good because, like, a lot of, in my opinion, also I'm not going to name any names, but there is a, there are some technical death metal bands that aren't aggressive enough. Mm -hmm. Like, it's too sterile, 
it's too overly technical and wanky and it just doesn't have the aggression that like the forefathers of the scene previously had but this album kind of has the aggressive elements which i what i like in death metal in general but it also manages to combine it with quite a lot of dynamics there's a lot of sort of harmonics yeah. on there there's a lot of uh, the way i would describe it is and because obviously i mean no band probably wants to be compared to other bands too much but mm-hmm. i got so like the one of the bands that really reminded me of was Origin. Don't know if you've ever listened to Origin, but they had one out there. They have one of my favorite technical death metal albums of all time, which is Inform- Informus Infinitas Inhumanitas. The three eyes to make it's it simple. So Latin. It's like 27 minutes long, but it is super hyper fucking fucking aggressive and like fast and like. And the vocal delivery is like <laughs> similar to Arch Spire, where it's just like, oh, I'll never be able to do that vocal delivery because I can't even speak normally. But, <laughs> like, but it's, um, I suppose if you're growling, it's a bit easier. But it's, uh, but no, and I love that kind of like almost growl, rapping thin. There's one that he tracks. is rapping. I actually wrote it down as Simulacro, I think. Yeah, that's why I put my notes. so fast. I was like, how? I couldn't do that normal singing. <laughs> He's just like spitting, man. It's insane. Like, like spitting guttural like, bars. Oh, like, yeah. So good. That's yeah, I actually had that note down because I was thinking, yeah, I was literally, wrote, yeah, it sounds like he's fucking rapping, and I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it was. And do you know what? It's really it, like I was saying. It's uh, some of these tracks, like consumed, w- was a great track, and that's really like heavy as balls as well. And yeah, just a lot of dynamics because you know it's, you listen to Tech Death, and it's just it's just blistering riffs for the whole duration of the album, maybe an acoustic passage or interludes, but like. This had blistering riffs while there was like sort of palm muted, like chugging going on in the back and stuff. Like it was just very dynamic, which is what I like yeah. in music and death metal in particular. I was really, they used um, six string fretless basses and fretted basses, oh, as sick. well as the eight string guitars. Yeah, that's mental, isn't it? That's it's crazy. So cool. I mean, like, you can hear it, there's, there's so much like virtuosity in this album. Like you yeah. cannot, like, how would you do this live? How would you do that? How, like, you guys must have been practicing since you were like two years old. Or like in the womb, like how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's crazy, and like I think the bass is amazing in this album. Oh, and it's beautiful. I yeah. always love it, and it's it's quite it's a bit of a trope of tech death, especially later tech death, where the bass is quite audible. Mm. Sometimes it's actually a bit too audible, a bit I too high in the mix. Yeah. Like um like I love Beyond Creation. I think they're great bands, so Canadian tech death bands, but they are a lot. Of the tracks are very sort of bass heavy, mm. and it kind of goes back to what I was saying, where the music is is quite pretty music, which is fine. I don't mind it, but sometimes I want to listen to death metal, tech death that's really hyper-aggressive. It's legit well. ominous. Yeah. It's very ominous indeed. Like, the vocals are ominous. Like, the contrast with, like, these incredible, like, scintillating guitars are very ominous. And, like, their song, like, the construction of the actual songs, like, structurally, is, like, very, very advanced, I feel. Like, yeah. it's good. It's They're not just, like, we're going to repeat it for, like, ten times. It's yeah. like that. Yeah. It, it's super good, and um, the, I really like the vocal variety. Apparently there's a lot of guest vocalists. Oh yeah, I, I actually, I think I wrote down all the guests, because I think maybe there's more than more than vocalists. So they've got drums by Andrew Bed from Fallujah. Yeah, they're quite a good band. Fallujah, I think it's Fallujah. pronounced, but yeah, it's um, they're quite a cool, like, uber-technical deathcore band. Oh. And then um, special guest vocals, Jade Ordonez. Wait, is that a lady? Arcane Existence, Embryon, Crystal Rose, again, that, oh my, my goodness, that's so aggressive. Some of these members are in Arcane Existence, I know that. Okay, and then Julian Zadarovich from Black Passage, and Behold the, De- don't laugh, <laughs> and Behold the Desecration, two very interesting juxtapositions with bad names. 
And then Chris Kano, who sounds like a wrestler, which is sick, yeah. from Symbiotic. Yeah, there's just you could, it's got quite a lot of variety for an extreme metal album, and the main vocalist Adam Adam Rosado, his name is. Mm. Um, I'm guessing he's doing the the bulk of like the the ultra fast like so. mid 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 to low range growling and shrieking. But yeah, yeah, you can hear when the guest vocalists come in, but it's a good variety because you know when you get death metal and vocals that are predominantly guttural, it's so easy for them all to just become mixed, uh, kind of muddled together in the mix. But you've kind of got like that. I don't know which guest it was, but somebody's doing like that sort of toilet bowl vocal style. Yeah. Where it sounds like you know when the drain's it's circling. Just it. Yeah. It's like, it's amazing. But, I wish I could do that. I wish I could. Just, how do you do that? It's a sick fucking style. I love it personally. There's a band uh, called Discord. It's the Californian Discord because there's two of them. There's a Mexican one. There's actually three. There's a one from Holland as well. Oh, but, great. But I mean, that's that's what you get for. It's amazing. That's what you get for naming your band. Uh, Discord. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't talk because I'm called <laughs> Legion. <you> know, <laughs> But, um, Which is an amazing name for a band. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, I think a better take would be if you were just really angry at other bands that have names like that and never acknowledged that your you band was one say, of those. We are Legion, <laughs> you should always just have that line. It, it's funny, do you know, I actually looked up of what's the most common metal band name. <laughs> and, um, and do you know what, I, I can't remember what it was, it was some basic ass sounding fucking name. Like, I can't, I'm not even going to try and, but fuck it, let me look it up actually. Yeah, look up, I'm really curious. Yeah. While you look it up, I'm going to say about the Omnis Ruin album, um, which I think we haven't repeated the name of it enough, which is called Amidst Voices That Echo in Stone. <laughs> Something on the... <laughs> you okay? The most common band name for metal Nemesis. bands is Nemesis. Nemesis. Do you know what the second most common band name is? It's Legion. It's Legion. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It, get, it gets worse. I went on... There's more, there's fucking more than that. There's, I went on to Encyclopedia Metallica and counted them as 14 odd legions. <laughs> is that actually a legion? Is it a legion of 40 men? Yeah, it, pretty much, yeah, a legion of legions. A legion of legions. But it's like, I don't know if you've seen this movie, it's got, um, why have I forgotten his fucking name? It's called One, starring, um, oh, what's is his name? He's in, um, One, is the film called One? The film's called One. One. I've forgotten, I've forgotten the actor. Martial artist guy. Bruce Lee? Super talented. Not Bruce Lee. No, because this film was like in the 2000s. Oh, oh, is he the guy from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Jet Li. Jet Li. Oh. Jet Li, okay. Sorry, momentary brain lapse. It's got Jet Li in it, and the plot of the story is he's going around to other dimensions to kill the other versions of Jet Li. That's awesome. It's, it's actually a really good film. It's a bit corny at points. Oh, isn't that a bit of the film where they go, We Are Legion? Is that it? No, but I'm saying that's what... I need to do, I need to go around and try and <laughs> all, the all the legions, I'll disband to all the other legions so there's only one left. Because the point of the film is he wants to be the one. Because every time you kill a parallel version of yourself, you get a little bit stronger, like more powerful. So there's only two left. So the one that's killing everybody ends up fighting against the good Jet Li. And they fight each other at the end, which is really well done, actually. There's a, there's a sequel movie called Two. Yeah. What's well, like that meme I posted the other day? It was Metallica. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Running out of Area 51 with two. two Metallica. That's <laughs> such Love a it. good meme. Oh, but no, yes. back to um, Ominous Room. Um, I I really like this album. Like I was saying, it's um, it's everything I love about Tech Death. Mm. And I think it's really very well put together. And uh, it looks like, I'm going to hedge my bets because I couldn't find this out, it looks like the artwork is done by John Zig. Oh, I think it's Olofsson. Is it Olofsson? I think it's like something Olofsson. But it has that kind of zig style and so does the logo. Yeah. Um, but it's, um, 
super cool. Um, they look to me, they seem like the sort of band that should have um, a pretty clear upward trajectory in the scene because they're, they're I think talented. This album is gonna like yeah. increase their trajectory for sure. And like something that's really fucking impressive about this album is that it was actually uh, recorded, mixed, and mastered by one of the members. Oh, nice. Alex Spacey. So fucking ten out of ten, mate. That's really good. That's fucking sick. Your cover art is by Paul Olof, and you're correct. Oh, you're right. There you go. I did research. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the name. <laughs> I can't remember nice. English names, but I can remember non-English names. So John Zig, who didn't do the album, <laughs> is also quite talented uh, artist. That's funny because one of my favourite lines in the album is like, unto the corrupted cigarette cigarette of flesh. I fucked it up so bad. What is a cigarette? And I saw it's that It's a there. step pyramid. Oh, okay, cool, yeah. It's like absolutely. used in Mesopotamia, it was like, yeah. it's like, you know, Steffi Pyramid, yeah. I'm definitely getting a lot of, like, ancient aliens style vibes and the real sort of cosmic threats and malevolent... <laughs> wow, I've done it again. Caligula, malevolent. <laughs> <laughs> malevolent um, sort of uh, cosmic forces coming to kind of take us all down. Yeah, I was, I was listening to an a interview with those guys and they were talking about how like the lyrics were, they wanted to keep them open to interpretation. Yeah. I hope I'm not misinterpreting the interpretation of their own stuff, but I think that's what I took away. But I, I read the lyrics a few times, so I, I fucking love. Like the lyrics are very like wordy and there's lots of interesting adjectives and stuff like that. And it reminded me of like those different things. The actual, I'll read you some of the lyrics because that's what I do. So this is from the first um, song ritual. I've just taken two different random bits because I really like them. Um, and so he's saying, by whom or what are we possessed? Whence emerged this curse which usurps both mind and flesh? We become hosts to a gluttonous hedonistic rot. We wither and crack and seep until vacant. And then like later on he says, unto their corrupted ziggurat of flesh. They present a hedonistic offering, erode the walls within, collapse deeper into a chaotic world fabricated. But then my favourite line of the whole album is in the second track philosophical, and he just says, we are nobody forever, which is like a sick line. Yeah. That's like, it's really philosophical, it's kind of introspective as well. Yeah. Even though he's talking about like cosmic shit, and like, it reminded me of, so it's like, he uses the word prismatic ten times. Yeah. in the whole album, which I think is really impressive. And like, it's, it's, it's not a criticism because I use words a lot. And like, look at Man of War, they're like a great, they were a great band and they use like steel and sword. And oh, look at James Hetfield and yeah. 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 And Caius and yeah. Isn't prism something to do with the number five as well? A prism is a triangle. It's like a, it's a pyramid a that thing. refracts light and shows all um, the colors of the, like the visible colors of the light spectrum. Yeah. Um, like the Pink Floyd album cover, that's a prism. Yeah. So prismatic, I'm assuming, is like a way of um, of like viewing, like because a lot of this album is about like um, perception and lack of perception and being blinded and like basically like kind of outer dimensional beings coming and like pretending to be humans and then kind of like corrupting the way that humans interact by like, becoming like hedonistic, distracted, yeah. and then like losing sight of their own identity, and that's kind of how they take over. Yeah. So it feels like um, a comment on like technology yeah. in some ways, like a very brave new world kind of you know hedonistic offer offerings, and like yeah. um, it also reminds me of the, the season one of Star Trek, 
like the finale is basically these like mind parasite worms yeah. um, take over the federation and they and they just like they make people really evil because these aliens are just like you're our hosts now and we're gonna like live in your brains and they, all these people have like weird like bugs in their ears and shit and they go to like federation headquarters and there's like this guy it's like horrible guy that you hate who's like who's basically like a law enforcer like a total fucking ship snitch and he's just sitting on this chair and he's just like, you've arrived and his head fucking explodes. Oh shit. <laughs> his head just goes <laughs> and there's like blood everywhere. But it's like the worst special effects you've ever seen. It's like one of the worst, like it's when TNG was like not good. Yeah. It was yeah. before Star Trek uh, Next Generation was like vaguely watchable if you wanted like really good television. But it was still great because it was so bad. But yeah, this guy's head fucking explodes. It's in the Malcolm in the Middle um, intro. Which season? Is this the Season one. What, like the first of, not, of next generation. So oh, that okay. was the yeah. second Star Trek franchise. Yeah, that was. the Picard ones. That's the Picard one. Right, there we go. <laughs> okay, you can tell Picard is like. So basically, when Picard actually took season one of Star Trek, he was like, "I really don't want to do this. This is yeah. not my. I'm a Shakespearean trained actor." Yeah. And then his agent was like, "Just do it. It's gonna. It's gonna." completely just sink after the first season. Don't worry about it. And then it just became huge. That's <laughs> probably what he's known best for, maybe apart I think from so. Professor X. I think so, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm about to say, if that was like the first seasons in the Shatner era, like, that would have freaked people the fuck out. <laughs> right? that there were some messed up episodes. We didn't have, yeah. There's some really fucked up, like Star Trek is full of weird ass shit you would not expect yeah. in, um, in Star Trek. Yeah. That's mental. Yeah, it's. I was kind of getting similar vibes from the lyrical content of this album. Kind of reminds me of the sin. I was actually, funny enough, reading about it the other day. It's. Uh, have you ever heard of Akasa or Akasha? Yeah, it's a, a goddess, right? But I'm not sure if it's a goddess. But what it is, it's this principle in some something that's known as esoteric Buddhism, mm. and that there is actually like something akin to a cloud service, like a cloud system, as in like an online cloud system in the cosmos. Oh, you upload your thoughts to it. That enlightened people can have access to. Yeah. Which is basically the is actually the world we live in now when mm -hmm. you think about it because you know there's so much information out there in our atmosphere that 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 we can access if we have the correct device. But mm -hmm. but it's crazy that you know like thoughts like that were being explored way before that was developed, and um, that's kind of like you know it's it's actually so it, it was in an ancient aliens episode. Where I saw the, uh, <laughs> were you with reference to it. Huh? <laughs> were you with Miles at the time? No, no, I wasn't. No, he was too scared. Oh, Miles, I love him so much. <laughs> but no, it was it was just cool because it was um, just kind of what a lot of the lyrics and sound remind me of, and what you were saying about the whole prismatic thing. Because you know, there's that theory that aliens and extraterrestrial beings are living in a different dimension, yeah. a fourth dimension, so to speak. That's also in Star Trek. There's like an ex-dimensional. There's multiple reference to like outer dimensional aliens that are just like, we're gonna fuck you up, and they like tear holes in space, and they're just like, pew, pew, pew. Shit, that sounds, Shit like that. that actually sounds pretty rad. Star Trek's really good. Yeah. It's like what Star Wars tried to be. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've not seen it either, so I'm not even gonna ask. Oh, don't waste your time with Star Wars. Shem was a massive Star Wars fan when I met him, and I was like, hey, check, check some of this out. <laughs> I just kind of like flipped the few. And the last Jedi came out, and I was just like, yeah, I'm done. He was, he was screaming in the cinema. As the last Jedi, seen... the one where Luke yeah. Skywalker just does like he an milks. 80s fadeaway at the end. He fucking milks yeah. a weird Spoiler. dinosaur Spoiler. and drinks his juice. Oh, yeah, that was weird. That was so yeah. <laughs> I was just laughing my ass. The Mary Poppins bit was that, sorry. No, no, not the Mary Poppins oh. bit. That is also. That film sucks so much. Uh, what is up with that film? Like, so what, is, what is the fuck, man? Like, I, I actually, I, to be fair though, I actually like the prequels. So yeah, I do. I think they're really good. 
I'm not as good as Star Trek, though. I think Jar Jar Binks is like the most powerful Sith Lord in the universe, so I'm looking forward he, to his showdown with I think the... he's the backbone of the franchise. Well, I think no, he I is. Really <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> you can't hit us here because we're behind the screen. Did you guys ever watch Farscape? I loved Farscape. Farscape was sick. It's so fucking... I used to yeah. fancy the guy with the weird chin. Because he, he looked like... And this the is alien. before well, I listened the, the to... The torture gimp. No, I actually I do, I do fancy Scorpius. Scorpius. <laughs> That's why I was thinking of Scorpius, I have a yeah. serious crush. I still kind of have a bit of a crush on Scorpius. I don't know why. Some like weird old daddy vibe about him. Was he a good guy or a bad guy? No, he was not a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he doesn't look like a good guy. There are times where he's like trying to be a good guy and then he's just like, oh, I was evil or not. Yeah. He's wearing a gib suit. Yeah. And he's got this like weird kind of Rock. evil like lizard vibe about him, so... I don't know why, um, but I'm into that. And yeah, there was like a guy, what was his name? Not Triton. I know who you're talking about now, though. The, the man yeah. with the, he looks like he's a metal fan. Yeah. This is like before I even listened, I was like six years old when I was watching this, so obviously yeah. I fancied everyone because like, it's yeah. what children do, I think. That's what I did. Um, yeah, that was, it was a great TV show. I love the alien that controlled the ship. Was it Maya? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just remembering it all it's now. It's got like this weird head, and it's just like, ooh, I'm controlling the ship. I remember everybody. Um, had a crush on the blue alien, the the one with the short, like pixie cut sort of hairstyle. Everyone, she looks like the girl in Scrubs. I thought they were the same person for like a million years. Elliot. Yeah. Scrubs. She looks like Elliot from Scrubs. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm just trying to imagine her face. Cause, yeah, a little bit. I can see that. They have the same hair yeah. anyway. Yeah. And obviously the main guy was like the hunk, wasn't he? he I wasn't... had no interest in him whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the girl. It's so good in that. Huh? The main guy is so vanilla, like he's so nothing. He's so boring. <laughs> Compared to all the stuff like, around he's him, a great, he's, he's so a great like, human. In real life, he'd be like, I'd marry him, and I'd, I'd probably like kiss Scorpio. No, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't. This isn't even relevant. Why would I do this? Marry kills the last one. Omnis ruined anyway. Sorry, Omnis ruined. I feel like what you're saying about this. Is actually like quite relevant because I thought there were maybe some references to like the pineal gland. I thought maybe that's oh, okay. like yeah. that could be relevant to like the whole prismatic yeah. thing of like the pineal gland being like um, some people think it's like a connection to the outer universe and like yeah. you see when it's stimulated you you are more aware of like colors and things around you. Yeah. And like yeah, diving up into this like cloud kind of consciousness yeah. and how like that can actually be used. So this is actually very recently and this has been something that transhumanists who are who are people who try and extend human life, so that's what transhumanism is. There's a Russian transhumanist um, who has invented this idea which they think they can now execute of basically having a Dyson sphere, which if you don't know is actually on Star Trek too. A Dyson sphere is like a giant kind of man-made planet. Yeah. And on the inside is where you can have life. So he, he wants to create a Dyson Sphere where human inf like data is uploaded onto the Dyson Sphere and it's sent off into space. And then like humans can like relive their whole life in this like cloud Dyson Sphere That's and then die mm. and then go to like a version of heaven. Yeah. Well, maybe we're on it now. But um, yeah. like, that's fucking cool. That's interesting. That's like kind of what the whole singularity thing is about, though, right? It's about trying to transfer in the consciousness. Onto kind your... of. Yeah. This is like this is a I think a more like um, like linear version of this sort of all just existing in a conscious way of like of like reliving our life and then going to another plane of like created existence. Yeah. That's like a, our version of heaven, kind of like the good place, I guess. Yeah, that's interesting. It is interesting. But yeah, I mean, 
This is a fucking cool album. I wonder if there's any Wheel of Time inspiration here, like some of the song names, like A Feast for Shadows, that's very Robert Jordan, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and like a little bit George R. R. Martin as well. And there's like a really interesting vibe here. It reminds me of Cryptic Shift, which is why I keep saying Cryptic Shift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like this fucking cool. And like the guys, obviously, from my Facebook interaction with them, which lasted 10 minutes, seem really nice. So. It's, they tick a lot of boxes for me. One thing I also yeah. like is uh, the drums aren't too clicky either. One of the things about Death Metal is... The drum tone is really nice. It's really good. Like yeah. There's a bassiness to the, the double bass, it's which is... There's a slap to it. Yeah and, yeah, and that's good because, you know, like sometimes with the triggers and stuff, double bass pedals can sound so Ugh. overly mechanical and yeah. sterile that it's just not... Like, and sometimes it works. Like I, I quite like that with a Null Mathrak, for example. Mm. Like, sometimes it sounds like, you know those door things, like, like the, the ones that you can flick? It sounds oh, like yeah, someone's yeah, picking yeah, one yeah, of those, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> I've watched way too many videos of cats playing with those things. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, this, this album ticks a lot of boxes for me, and uh, I, I actually like the label it was released on Willow Tip, and they are... Um, they have some really good death metal bands. They're responsible for one of my favourite, and in my opinion, one of the biggest slept on bands in the death metal grind scene. And they've got a really unfortunate and kind of misleading name. It's called Circle of Dead Children. Great but band! I love that band! They're a great band. But the, the name where Joe Hor Horvath, Horvath, sorry, the vocalist. <laughs> Joe <Yes>. Horvath. <laughs> he, um, he had a really interesting, he, the way he came up with the name was really cool. He said he was daydreaming one day. And apparently he just envisioned um, all the flags of the world in a big circle and then a dead child in front of the flag as a result of the actions of the country. And this is quite, they're very like, they're, they're not like, you know, one of those death metal bands that does the whole comedy, you know, shock, fa shock factors shtick that is uh, so prominent in the scene. But um, like, I'd really recommend checking them out for anybody that's uh, into the whole death grinds scene because it's a really good band. But no, yeah, um, so Willow Tip is quite a good. I've been following that label for a while because they always put out pretty solid releases. And this is uh, a welcome addition to that roster, in my opinion. Agreed. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what these guys do next. Um, hopefully they'll be playing some UK shows. We can go and get our minds exploded. <sighs> hopefully. Star Trek style. Yeah, yeah um, I think that's a good place to wrap up, don't you? I think so, I think so. I think so. So thank you so much for watching and listening. Feel free to let us know what you think of us, the podcast, the music, the bands. What should we review next? What should we do now, in the past, in the future? Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Feel free to like and subscribe and see you next week. Goodbye.